you could visit a famous site anywhere in the world, which would you choose to see? Every once in a while I think about this, and there are so many possibilities and I'm not really sure which one I would want to see first. But there are many beautiful places in this world that God has created for us to visit. There was a British photographer whose name is Oliver Curtis, who had a very successful career in films, television, and fashion photography. And he seems to be able to capture the perfect picture at the perfect moment. But he also has an unusual side project. And that is that he likes to go to visit famous places in the world, like the Eiffel Tower, the Leaning Tower of Pisa, and all, of, all, all those neat places. And then, instead of taking pictures of that thing that everybody goes to look at, like the tower, he likes to turn the camera in the opposite direction and look around and take pictures around. He takes pictures of the scenery around the monuments, like the Taj Mahal, the Wailing Wall, the Eiffel Tower, and many other places, but not the monuments themselves. He has published these pictures in a book called About Face. And I looked at a few pictures from there, and it's, it's quite interesting because there are beautiful things around those monuments and those featured uh, things that we go to see. We use the word about face to refer to someone who experiences a change in attitude or a change in opinion about something. Think about his project. He's in the presence of a well-known monument, but he wants a new perspective. He wants to focus on its setting rather than the monument itself. And because of this, he sees things that most people probably don't ever notice. Do we ever stop and question, I wonder, why we notice the things that catch our attention? Mostly, we follow the crowd. We fit in with our peers, and sometimes it's because that's what's expected of us. We don't question our priorities or our choices. What would it take, I wonder, to make an about face, a change in our choices, a change in our priorities? What if you or me could see things from a different perspective? What if we could see things from God's perspective? That's the question I kept coming back to as I thought about our gospel lesson. This story is about a man who went on a journey and he entrusted all of his, well, I don't know if it was all of his money, but he entrusted his money to his servants. This man could represent God. We could represent the servants and the wealth. Well, we'll get to the wealth in a minute, but there are two key words here that we have to confront, I think, if we're going to understand this story and if we're going to apply it to our lives. And those two words are entrusted and afraid. We see the word entrusted used three times in this passage that Pastor Kay just read for us. The man entrusted his wealth to three of his servants. He gave them a big responsibility. He gave them a big opportunity. He obviously had faith in his servants, 
He gave great potential. He saw great potential, I should say, in them. And he saw great opportunities all around them. He saw them, I think, like God sees us, with great potential, great opportunities to do great things. Why else would the master have entrusted his wealth to them? He believed that they could do well with his wealth. The first and second servants, as you know, invested the money as he hoped they would. When he returned, they presented him with a big profit, and he was pleased. And he complimented their work, and he invited them to share in his happiness. But the third servant hid the money, and he did nothing with it. Why? I think because he was afraid. He was afraid of the master. He was afraid of how the master might be displeased with him if he failed. He was afraid of the responsibility. And when the master returned, he dug it up and gave it back to him with no return. Just one big lost opportunity. And the master condemned him for letting his fear take over. We have many emotions. God has made us complex beings. But I think perhaps the saddest and the least productive emotion that we experience in life is fear. That's the first thing that I saw in this passage. The saddest and least productive emotion is fear. Fear causes regret. Fear causes lost opportunities. Fear causes disappointment. In these past eight months, the coronavirus pandemic has given us some new words. We came up with terms like social distancing and flattening the curve to describe things that we would like to do to protect against this virus. I read that in Germany, a new word was created there to describe the hoarding of food. Remember when this all started and how everybody was just emptying all the shelves? Maybe happening again soon. It's beginning to happen in other countries and in some areas of our country. Well, they, had a name, they have a name for that in Germany. It's called, and I hope I pronounce this right, Bill Johnson, if you're watching, I apologize in advance for this pronunciation. I think it's called Hamsterkäufer. Hamsterkäufer. H-A-M-S-T-E-R-K-A-U-F. The German word for hoarding is hamstern, which comes from the idea of hamsters storing up food in their cheeks. If you have ever seen a hamster and watched it do its thing, it's you feed it, and it grabs all its food and fills them up, and the cheeks puff out. I had hamsters when I was a young guy, and they're kind of fun to watch. But they take all this food, and they hoard it in their cheeks, and then they go hide it somewhere, in case, and, and they, they have it available in case of an emergency, I guess. But that's what us people do when things like pandemics happen. We hoard up the pasta, the painkillers, and, of course, the toilet paper. That one I never understood. German citizens call this list, 
the Hamsterkäufer list. And there's a whole list of items that they've been suggesting that people stock up on now because it might, we may be going through another experience with Hamsterkäufer. The third servant was guilty of Hamsterkäufer. Boy, if I'm mispronouncing it, I'm doing it a lot. But he was afraid. So he hoarded his master's money. Why? Because he didn't really, maybe he didn't trust his master. Just like us. Maybe he'd had a few setbacks in his life. Maybe he'd had a few heartbreaks. And he no longer trusted the goodness of his master. So he decided to focus on his own safety. And he thought if he'd dig a hole, put it in the ground, and wait for the master to return, that there'd be no risk, no responsibility. But of course, there was also no reward. Think of all the things that we miss out in, on in life because we're afraid. Sometimes, as individuals and as a church family, we say we trust God, but we don't trust God. We don't trust God's goodness. We don't trust God's promises. Think of all the opportunities we could enjoy with our God-given talents and with our opportunities if we were just bold enough to base our goals and our priorities on God's promises instead of on our own insecurity. We want to be careful. We don't want to step out and be too bold. We might fail. Amy Purdy was a 19-year-old girl with a bright future ahead of her when she came home early from work one day with what she thought was the flu. She woke up from her nap, her hands and her feet were numb, and not only were they numb, but they were purple. Her blood pressure was falling. So she was rushed to the hospital in cardiac arrest. She had caught bacterial meningitis. Her family was told that she had probably only a few hours to live. Amy went into a coma, and when she woke from that coma, her doctor explained to her that they would need to amputate her legs below the knee to save her life. Now imagine being 19 years old, having your life suddenly and radically changed by something that you cannot control. Some of us don't have to imagine it. Some of us have lived it. And fear is natural in times like that. But Amy faced her new life, because it was going to be a new life, with determination. She wasn't going to give up. She tried to return to snowboarding, which was one of her favorite hobbies, but she couldn't find prosthetic legs that would allow her to snowboard. So she did a lot of research, she worked with her doctor, and she, together they made new prosthetic legs for snowboarding. Amy became the first woman to win a medal in snowboarding in the Paralympic Games. But Amy faced her, because Amy faced her new life with determination. Not only did she do that, but she and her husband founded the Adaptive Action Sports, which is an organization that helps athletes with disabilities to participate in sports that they love. Amy even competed on Dancing with the Stars 
and was runner-up. And she has had the opportunity to share her story on television and at speaking engagements. And I've seen Amy dance. I watched some of the videos on YouTube. And she danced beautifully. Amy says that when she lost her legs, she set three new goals for her life. She said, I'm not going to feel sorry for myself. I am going to snowboard again. And whenever I figure this out, I'm going to help other people to do the same. And she's doing exactly that. Her organization helps people with disabilities, helps those people to reach their potential. Her book and her speaking engagements inspire people, people who, ex who have faced unexpected losses. Amy's challenges could have caused her to live the rest of her life in fear. She might have just stayed home and done nothing. Instead, she's helping others. She's grabbing opportunities to do good for others. The saddest and the least productive emotion in life is fear. Amy overcame her fear, and she's having a very meaningful life. We have people in our congregation who've done the same, and we all know who they are. Now think how often the scriptures say, don't be afraid. Maybe the opposite of faith is an unbelief. Maybe it's fear. Those words, don't be afraid, don't mean that nothing bad will ever happen to you. They don't mean that God is going to answer every question and that you're going to understand what's happening in life. And always, things are always going to work according to the way that you or I expect them to. And that things are going to happen according to our timeline and our schedule. God has promised that God will be with us through every difficulty, not that we won't have those difficulties. There was another young woman who found help with her fear. On Palm Sunday, 1987, near the end of her church's worship service, this young woman suffered a terrifying brain aneurysm. Doctors told her that they could wait and watch the aneurysm and hope that it didn't get worse, or they could perform a very risky surgery to resolve it. She chose to put her life in God's hands and in the hands of the surgeons and have the surgery. She faced moments of fear as she waited. And then one sleepless night, she found the answer to her fear. In one of my favorite verses in scripture, I have a picture that hangs on my office wall with this verse on it. Joshua 1.9, be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. She copied that, that verse down on a piece of paper and she kept it with her. And she read it until she had it memorized and then she still carried it with her. Be strong and courageous. Don't be discouraged. The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And on the day of her surgery, she handed that piece of paper to the OR nurse the OR nurse said that she would get it back to her after surgery. Many hours later, when she woke up in recovery, she found that piece of paper with that verse from Joshua 
taped to the back of her hand. What a source of comfort it had become for her. Be strong and courageous. Don't be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Think about how often the scriptures say, don't be afraid. We're coming up on Advent. We're going to hear those words. We're going to hear those words from the angels. We're going to hear those words again and again. Don't be terrified. Fear not. Only make, fear only makes us miserable, but it robs us in many ways beside that. Remember the example of the three servants. Two invested their master's money, turned a nice profit, but the other one lost out. And why? Because of fear. May I suggest that this story from the Gospel of Matthew tells us that God is looking for people God is expecting his people to have boldness, holy boldness. What is that? The boldness to let God take your talents and your energy and to direct them toward good works that bring him glory. God made us to partner with God in ushering in the kingdom of God. When you really think about that, sounds like mind-blowing responsibility. But it also sounds like mind-blowing opportunity. Notice that the outcome of this story rests on faith in God's character. Faith in God being who God says he is. Rests on obedience as we follow God. Faith and obedience both require the boldness to let go of our own securities and our own comforts, and let God use us for a larger plan. Robert Young was a successful businessman in Seattle, and on a business trip in New Mexico, he noticed a newspaper headline that read like this, Elders Freeze to Death. The news article detailed the crushing poverty that the local Native Americans were experiencing in the reservation. And the horrible living conditions of many Native American elderly people. He couldn't explain why the news story grabbed at his heart, but he knew it did. And a few weeks later, when he learned of a program called Adopt a Grandparent for Native American Elders, he called that number and he signed up. And he was paired with a 78-year-old Native American woman in South Dakota, whose name was Catherine Redfeather. Catherine welcomed Robert into her family as her newest grandchild. In spite of her poverty, her letters to him were full of joy, proudly sharing news about her big family. When Robert asked Catherine if there was anything that he could send her, she said, it'd be great if you could send me a bottle of shampoo and some aspirin. He couldn't imagine living in such poverty that shampoo and aspirin were luxury items. Yet that's how Catherine lived. He decided to visit her and see her living conditions for himself. He and his wife Anita were shocked by the poverty they saw on their visit on this reservation. 
And he was humbled by the joy and the love of Catherine and her family and the appreciation for little things like shampoo and aspirins. When he returned home, he couldn't focus on his work. He thought and he worried all the time if his adopted grandmother was safe and warm and if she had everything that she needed. And that summer, he and Anita and a group of friends traveled back to South Dakota to build a house for Catherine and her family. And as news of the project spread on the reservation, Catherine's friends and family came and helped. And together, they built a house. And when they were finished, they had a big celebration. Now Robert could relax and get back to his ambitious and successful life, right? Nope. God had a new vision for him. And he couldn't bury his talent in his old job. After a lot of research and a lot of thought, Robert sold his half of his business, and he and Anita moved to Bozeman, Montana, and started the Red Feather Redevelopment Group to provide affordable, safe housing to Native Americans, an organization which is still operating today. Remember the two words that I said that we need to confront to understand this story and to apply it to our lives? Entrusted and afraid. God has entrusted us with great things. God has entrusted us with great wealth. My wife often says we're rich. And I always snicker because I know we're not. But she says we are rich. It has nothing to do with money. Your life, your talents, your energy, your intelligence, your influence. And God will use these things for God's glory. Only, though, if we're not afraid of investing, if we're not afraid of giving of ourselves. So let's ask ourselves, what do I want to hear at the end of my life? What will it take to hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Those are words we all long to hear and hope to hear. Let's you and I be willing to live with holy boldness, looking to be where God wants us to be and living the way that God wants us to live. Not perfect, to be sure. Making mistakes along the way, falling on our face every now and then, but always looking for ways to invest all the wealth and we are rich that God has given us. Amen.